Welcome to the snooze button. Hey, I'm Brittany of Brittany She and Sleep. I've got 99 problems, but my kid's sleeping isn't one. Hello, guys. I am back. I'm back home in California. Um, that doesn't mean the sound slash editing quality of this podcast has improved drastically. I'm still a one-woman show doing this, but it is way better than when I was literally just talking into the open air of a basement room into my computer. So I hope that that marginal improvement um, is enough of a reason for you to give me, you know, a glowing review, a five-star rating. Much appreciated. Okay, so yesterday on my Instagram, if you don't already follow, at Brittany Sheehan Sleep, I told you guys that I did not have a topic already nailed down for today and wanted to know what you guys wanted to hear about. If you think that this is something I plan months in advance and have, you know, spreadsheets full of ideas, I don't. I basically sit down and I'm like, I'm going to talk about poop today. That's that's kind of how I run my business. Um, you know, and it works for me. So it is what it is. So I didn't have that thought yesterday. So I asked you guys, I got a ton of ideas, all of which, by the way, I have noted. And, you know, so maybe I will have a spreadsheet soon. Anyway, We'll get to all of them at some point. But overwhelmingly, the one that you guys asked about the most, I don't know if it's because it's like back to school time or what's going on, but it was daycare. Daycare was a big one. I think like, I don't know how many of you, a lot of you asked about it. So we're going to talk all things daycare. I will say at a high level, daycare is one of those things that there could be, you know, 15 different episodes about all of the nuances of different daycares. So I'm keeping this about as broad as I can kind of start to finish for somebody who's even considering daycare and thinking about the implications of sleep for their baby or toddler um, all the way through like handling when issues come up with sleep. So I'm going to keep it kind of broad and you know at some point we'll dig into it a little bit more and more of the specifics. So I'm going to break this down kind of by sequence of events in the daycare world. Um, This is something that comes up all the time with clients, right? I obviously have tons who are in daycare, who have questions about naps at daycare, managing communication, all of that. So before you even begin the daycare search, what can you do? You know, if you are a pregnant mom, if you have a newborn right now, or you even have an older baby, but you're going to be going into daycare, what can you do to prevent it from being a disaster sleep-wise when you get there? get your baby on a schedule, get them to sleep independently, and don't have a pristine sleep environment. These are the three best things you can do. And obviously, I'm beating you guys over the head with this kind of stuff all the time. You know these are the things I believe that I see so much success with all of my clients with. But really, that's what you can do to help yourself. Um, I often will get clients coming to me at 10 weeks, right? They have 10-week-olds. They are going back to work at 12 weeks, and they are going to be put in daycare, and they are like, we need the next two weeks to nail this down. Perfect. We do it. Two weeks will get you a major leg up. So don't feel like if you have a two-month-old right now and you're like, yeah, we're starting in 12 weeks, at 12 weeks, but I can't do anything before then. You can. Go grab my course. You can get a custom plan, right? doesn't have to be with me. You can do whatever you want, but my point is... At 10 weeks, you can start doing this stuff, really getting your baby on a schedule. Because if you can go into daycare with something already structured and your baby already used to something, it's going to make it that much easier, right? 
getting an independent sleeper. This is probably this is the second one besides the schedule. Um, if you have an independent sleeper, that means they don't need to be supported to sleep. Is what I mean by an independent sleeper. So you are not rocking them to sleep. You're not feeding them to sleep. They don't need you to pop in the passy 15 times every time they go down. If you can get your baby to that place before you start daycare, that's going to be huge too because that's a really common issue that parents run into. Is they are not necessarily aligned with the daycare on how babies put down, and if baby is still struggling a lot with sleep, they're going to do whatever they can do to get the baby to be quiet so other babies can sleep, right? So getting an independent sleeper will really help you. And not having a pristine sleep environment. I preach all day long that you shouldn't be using blackout curtains. Here's one of the many reasons. If your baby spends the first few months of its life only napping in a pitch black cave with maximum white noise, everyone tiptoeing around outside, um, it's potentially going to be difficult for them to then move into like a bright room with lots of other people. But if they're used to a little bit of light, if they're used to an occasional bang and slam or yell outside the door and it doesn't disturb them, it's going to be a lot easier to make that transition. So those are just a couple of things to think through. If you are a family who's planning to go to daycare, but haven't even begun the process yet, like what can you do to set things up for success before you even get there? So let's move into finding a daycare. Obviously, there are a million considerations that you are going to make as a family when you're selecting a daycare. And I also understand that depending on where you live, the options might be abundant and they might be extremely limited. There will have wait lists. Some will be insanely expensive. Some are really far, you know, the opposite direction of your office commute so that, you know, you can't do it there or the hours don't work for you or whatever. I get that. So I'm not assuming here that sleep is your only consideration. What I will say when you're thinking through, let's take all of those other pieces out of the equation, we'll assume all else is equal. The things I would suggest you do are one, if you are in a position where you know other parents in your area, and if you're not, maybe find a Facebook group, try to find out from people who are similar to you and how they parent and how they feel about sleep, etc., what they suggest. And this is advice I give when people are looking for a nanny too. And I'll give the illustration that like, you know, if you, if your neighbor is like, you would love our nanny, our, this nanny is amazing. You know, our kids are too old now. You should use her. She makes the most incredible organic meals. She's fa- fabulous with that. Like our kids eat so healthy. And you're like, yeah, I, I like that my kids eat healthy, I guess. But my biggest priority is will this nanny follow my sleep schedule? And this is a real example I had with a client. It's like, no, 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 she kind of does her own thing. She's really good with sleep. She'll figure it out. And you're like, no, 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 no. I know I already have them on a schedule. I want a nanny who will follow my schedule. And the neighbor's like, I don't know if she'll do that, but she's amazing with food, right? So that's not your nanny. That is a great nanny for that family. They don't care about sleep. They care about food. That's fine, right? But you're looking for recommendations from people who have similar priorities to you. So if sleep is a really important thing to you, then say in the message group or say to friends, I'm really worried about naps at daycare. Like, what is the communication like? What are their policies like? Like, this is something that's an important consideration for me, right? And and try to get some feedback from people because they'll be honest. They'll tell you they'll tell you their experience. When you're actually talking to the daycare, again, we're assuming all else is equal and they're all the same price, they're the same distance, and you are just trying to get a feel for what sleep could look like for your baby there. Ask them if they will follow your schedule. Daycares are so across the board with this kind of stuff, with their policies, with their communication. Some will do exactly what you say. 
you hand us a schedule, we will log it for you, we will do these things, we can put them in a separate room, we can blah, 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 blah. Others are like, you know, you're kind of dropping them into an abyss, a loving abyss that takes great care of them. But like, you don't really know what's going on. Communication's not great. They do what they do. And you're just expected to kind of like deal with it. So these are considerations you have to have. So ask them if they will follow a schedule. If you provide one and say, this is when baby sleeps, will they do it? If they won't, do they follow a set schedule? Because maybe they won't follow your schedule, but they're like, hey, listen, this is what we do for babies at this age. This is what we do for babies at this age. And you look at it and you're like, that's not exactly what I was going to do, but it's close. And I like everything else about this school. And like, that's good enough for me. Or they say like, no, we follow wake windows. We follow sleepy cues. You know, find out what their policy is just in general, because they're all going to be different. I would also really, really strongly, and this is not just for sleep, this is for everything. Find out what their communication process is. This, of all of the issues that clients of mine deal with, with daycares, this is the biggest one always. And I think COVID has really thrown everyone for a loop because, you know, even in schools where maybe previously you knew the teachers and you were walking in and looking around the classrooms, now it's like, you know, valet drop off. You can't see anything. You can't go into the room, et cetera. Um, so I'm saying that, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But communication is huge. If you are attending a daycare where it's like pulling teeth to get to talk to the teacher, you're struggling and no one is willing to sit down with you or it takes forever or they're really dismissive, um, that's going to be really hard. So find out what their communication process is. Um, if there are issues that come up, like how do they handle that, right? If, if you know, say to them, if we had an issue where you know, so-and-so was going through a sleep regression and was fighting naps. How would you guys handle that? How would it be communicated to us? If we wanted to move them, you know, we were ready to drop a nap at home. Would you be aligned with us on that? How does that work? Just find out like how they talk to you about things and how you can communicate with the teachers and find out how they log the day. Because again, this is totally across the board. Do they use an app? Do they give you a piece of paper at the end of the day that explains like when the baby slept and how they were fed? All of that stuff. Like, what? how are you going to know what's going on during the day? Is there a camera that you watch? Like, every school is different. But you want to make sure that you feel good about those answers, right? Because this is beyond even sleep. If you, you should feel good that you know what's going on in your child's classroom, that someone is available to talk to you um, and is willing to work with you on things, and that you don't feel completely out of the loop on what's going on. I would also ask them about their policies. Two biggest things policy-wise related to sleep. Um, what you can bring and control, that's important, right? So like, again, you're asking if you can put them on your own schedule, will they follow it? But it also could mean like, can you bring your own sleep sack? What's their policy on using pacifiers? Like if your child uses a pacifier, do they allow you to use them? Some schools don't, right? These are the kinds of things you might not think about, but then you get there and you're like, wait, you won't let me bring in passies? You won't let me bring white noise? Um, whatever the things are that you want, find out what you can control. And please, please, please ask about safety stuff. You would be shocked the amount of daycares that, for whatever reason, are doing really unsafe sleep things. I was dealing with this with a client recently, and it was a reputable chain of daycares here in LA. And their policy was to put all the babies in like boppy, docketot type things and like shush pat them to sleep. Like, I can't even right? Not not safe at all. Also, 
bad sleep hygiene. But in you know, this was a family who had an independent sleeper who was napping great in a crib and they were very stressed out about it. They're like, we're sending him to a school that's putting him in an unsafe sleep environment and supporting him to sleep when he doesn't need it, right? But these are things they didn't know going in. So find out, do they line the babies up in swings to sleep for all their naps, right? Like, what is the policy? That could really inform your decision. Um, And talk to about transitions, because oftentimes with clients, what will come up as an issue down the road in daycare is the school is ready to transition them to a bigger room because they might have different criteria for why you would move to the next room, right? It could be milestones, like we want babies who are mobile. Um, you know, once they crawl or once they walk, they move to this room, or it could be strictly by their age. It could be a capacity issue, like we have too many kids in the pre-toddler room, so when one of them goes, your child will move in, etc. But find out when that happens, how it happens, and if you have a say right? Can you control it at all? So those are a couple of things to think through in the interview process um, and just making sure you feel like you have a really good picture of what that experience is going to look like when you get to the daycare. Once you're there, and I'm sorry I made you all wait for this part because I feel like everyone who asked this question on Instagram is already in daycare (laughs) and wants to know what to do once you're there and stuff is happening. So once you're there, please know that there's pretty much always an adjustment period. Even for a great sleeper, this is totally do, totally do, wow, totally new environment, totally new people taking care of them. And most likely they've gone from a situation where it's just mom or just grandma or whatever, and maybe a sibling, dad, something like that, to suddenly like several new adults they've never met before and lots of other babies and bright lights and sounds and stimulation. Even if sleep was consistent and they were being put down at their in their same bedroom and came out to that environment all day, there would probably be an adjustment period just because that's a lot. So expect that. It will typically normalize after a week or two. Um, and again, the more you've been able to do upfront before you even got there, right? Getting on the schedule, independent sleeping, not having a pristine sleep environment, those things are going to help you with that adjustment period. But most kids sleep well in daycare. And I think one of the things that's the most shocking to parents is when they'll have like a two-year-old who, you know, is jumping out of the crib, won't stay in their bed, all of that. But at daycare, magically, they're sleeping for three hours on their cot. It's environmental pressure. That's a normal thing, right? Everyone else is sleeping. My best friend Bobby is sleeping. I'm going to sleep. So that's the good news is most kids actually do adjust and sleep really well at daycare. At the same time, it does matter what their temperament is. It is temperament specific. Kids who are more sensitive sleepers may have a harder time adjusting. And you will know if you have more than one kid, you will know which one is your sensitive sleeper. Um, I've even seen this with clients where I'll work. It happened a couple of months ago. I worked with a family two years ago with their then three-month-old. And then we worked again with their new three-month-old a few months ago. These same gender, same school that followed the family schedule was a small school Um, same teachers, same policies, which were great policies, great communication, will follow a schedule. The little guy two years ago was just a very easygoing, I hate saying easy, but you know, he was an easier baby with sleep. He was a less sensitive sleeper and he basically had no adjustment period. It was like two or three days. Whereas his younger brother did have a full like week or two where it was kind of crazy as we were going through the process. And he did great in the end, but It was harder for him because he was a more sensitive sleeper. And that was evident to me as I was working with him in his plan. Um, So that does happen sometimes. And, you know, the more sensitive a sleeper is, the more likely they're going to, you know, have a longer adjustment period. But 
good sleepers are not totally derailed by a couple of off days or whatever. It will be fine. What you can do is control as much as you can and communicate as much as you can. So let's assume you're on a schedule at home. You give them the schedule. You're like, please follow this schedule. Hopefully they do. If they won't follow the schedule, you find out what their schedule is. And we try to stay as close to that as we can. You ask if you can bring in the sleep sack. You ask them to communicate with you if there are issues with naps. You know, you're doing as much as you can to control and communicate once you get there so that you know what's going on. Like, you know, ask them, how is he sleeping? Um, How are you guys putting him to sleep? Does she cry, you know, after an hour? What happens? Be, Be really communicative with them. So when things are not working... Let's say you're in daycare. The ship has sailed as to which school you've chosen. Maybe they will not follow your schedule. Maybe they are supporting the baby to sleep even though they don't need it um, and you're having trouble communicating. Try to come to the table as a partner and remember that you are paying them to take care of your children, yes, but they have lots of kids to take care of. And I mean, I've never been a daycare teacher, but I can imagine if you have like 10 kids in a room, like that's a lot of schedules to remember. That's a lot of stuff. you have a lot on your hands. So try to come to the table as their partner and say something like, Jillian is really not sleeping well at home. She was a great independent sleeper before we started daycare. And I know this is a natural part of the transition and her getting adjusted, but she's really struggling at home. We're really having a hard time on the weekends with her naps and with her night sleep. And we would so appreciate your support in getting her back on track so she can be a happier baby because I'm sure it'd be nicer for you guys too if she wasn't so fussy. So what can we do to help you guys in that mission? Like we all want the best for Jillian. What can we do to help you? Um, And find out what that stuff is, right? If you come to the table as opposed to like accusing them of messing everything up, which maybe they did, you're going to get the best, uh, the best outcome. What is that? What is the phrase? Like, um, Sugar, not sugar and spice, carrots, carrots, not sticks. I don't know. You know what I'm saying. Just don't be an a-hole. That's, my, that's basically what I'm saying. If you want someone to be nice to you, be nice to them. Let's talk about like schedules really bad. They make you follow a schedule that's horrible. It's not working. They're fully supporting baby to sleep, all of that stuff. If your baby or toddler is in school three days or less a week, follow your right schedule, like the schedule that you want. Let's say, for instance, they're, they've moved your baby to a room where they are on two naps and they really, you know, they're only five months old. They really need three naps still. If they're three days or less at school, the other four days of the week, you keep them on their regular schedule. It's not ideal, but I would rather f- more days of the week, they are on the right schedule. This often comes into play with families who have a baby that's transitioning from two to one nap earlier than the parents want. So oftentimes daycares will force 12 month olds into basically like a bigger kid room where everyone's on one nap and it's usually at the same time of day. It's usually at noon, which is not a good nap time for basically anyone who's on one nap, but it is what it is, right? I have I hear this all the time. So if that's the case, if you have a baby who is a 12 month old who's being forced into one nap when they're not quite ready, and it's probably at noon. That's what you follow at school. But once you're at that age range, once we're on to like the two to one nap transition period, I want you to also follow your whatever is better for your child on non-school days. So 
That means on the weekends, definitely if they're in school less than five days a week at that point, you still have them on two naps or have their nap at a regular time. That's more appropriate for them. That's completely fine. So let's talk worst case scenario here. You are not quite at the two to one nap transition phase at all. You're less than 12 months and things are not working at school. They're supporting them to sleep. The schedule is really crazy. You might have to make special adjustments. So that could mean, for instance, you know, the naps are really short at daycare. So even though this baby should be on three naps, you have, uh, I'm trying to think of like a real scenario. They get home from daycare and you let them have a 30 minute power nap and the bedtime is a little bit later because their little bodies literally cannot go that long without sleep and the naps are super short at daycare, right? So you, you give them an extra 30 minutes and then maybe their bedtime would have been seven, but it's 7.45 on daycare days because they have to have this fourth cat nap. Or every time you pick them up, they fall asleep in the car. So that's when you do your you know, drive-through, target, curbside pickup, you pick up dinner, delivery, whatever. Like you're in the car for 30 minutes because that's when they can catch up on sleep. And then they get home, have dinner, and they have, again, a later bedtime. Um, Or you let them sleep in a little bit in the morning, things like that. You can also consider a brief reset at home. So sometimes families, and I, I, I say this understanding that for many families, this would not be an option. If it's an option for your family, Some families will do a reset where they take the baby out of daycare for a week or two and they like do basically a boot camp, get them sleeping independently, working on stuff. Maybe a parent can work from home or grandma's available, whatever. Again, I realize not everyone can do that. Please know that no matter what, this stuff is most likely temporary, right? Your baby could be going through a growth spurt where their sleep is disrupted anyway, Right. So like even if they were at home taking perfect naps with you, it might not be great because they're growing and they're learning and stuff is happening and it will go back to normal in a week or two. So I think that's important to know, too. It's not always daycare's fault. I hate saying fault, but, you know, it could be also what your baby is just experiencing in that moment. So your high level takeaways, be careful when you're interviewing and make sure you find out about communication policies, schedules and how they handle conflict and issues that come up. When you're there, expect an adjustment period. Know that most kids eventually do sleep well at daycare and that for kids who are more sensitive sleepers, it could take them a little bit longer. What you do is control as much as the school will let you and communicate as best you can in a positive, collaborative way. Keep your kids on their ideal schedule. If you're in school, three days a week or less, or you were at the two to one nap transition window. And listen, at the very end of the day, if you feel uncomfortable at the school you're at and they are not listening to you and they're not communicating with you, it is okay for you to look somewhere else. And that could mean another daycare that you have to drive a little bit farther to, but is really responsive to what your child needs and is a better fit. Or maybe you think about a nanny share where you can have a couple of other families, um, you know, more of like a home daycare setting. You do you, sister, brother. So I hope that helped. Again, this was like a very high level daycare spiel. We will dig in more another time into more of the nuances of different daycares. But I hope it gives you some confidence that no matter what type of childcare setting your baby or toddler is in, they can be an amazing sleeper. See you guys next week. 
Loving the snooze button? Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And please leave a review. I will read it and internalize it, so make sure it's very glowing. If you're interested in working with me or learning more about my courses, head to britneysheehan.com or follow me on Instagram at britneysheehansleep. 